Hi, thanks for tuning in. This is Druggist for the People. This podcast will contain my feelings and opinions and uh, stories from from my practice in pharmacy, but none of this should be taken as just hardcore fact. This is more about stimulating questions that you can then take to your pharmacist and your doctor and your healthcare team uh, to help you better understand and participate in your care. And once again, just a little reminder, if you're looking for medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, you won't find it here. You need to use your healthcare professional for that. Today, the people is Olivia. Welcome, Olivia. Hello. Thank you. I am the people. (laughs) You are the people. Yes. What do you you got for me today? I am a new mom, relatively new mom, and anxiety is, has always been a little bit a part of my life, but it's now even more so. And I wonder if we can talk about managing that, both medication and not yeah yeah okay well that's that's interesting i um i've come across some interesting studies and articles about anxiety and medication and that kind of stuff and i like for anything that we talk about on this podcast drugs are are another tool something that might work for somebody and it might not work for their neighbor so it's a very individual thing um so and with regard to anxiety which can be, and include generalized anxiety, social phobias, uh, separation anxiety, agoraphobia. There's um, a, a broad, you know, there's a number of them that fall into that category. So, there, the drugs that are available. Are you familiar with them that that might be used for anxiety now? I I'm not too familiar. No, I mean I've heard. People take it Xanax for that. Right. Um, I've been per- prescribed lorazepam for flights a few mm-hmm. times, mm-hmm. Um, but I really don't know. Yeah, that's, that's really common. And the benzos are, are you know, that's supposed to be for short-term use, just like what you're talking about there. Okay. Um, and the buspirone is a, a similar an- anxiolytic. That's a technical term for an anti-anxiety. Doesn't that sound a little mm. fancier? That's fun. Anxiolytic. Anxiolytic. Uh, and then there's also beta blockers, um, and in this, the one we'll talk about today is escitalopram, which is Lexapro, which is a serotonin-specific reuptake inhibitor, which you would take daily for this. So those those are some of the meds that are available. Is that one that builds up in the system and takes months to really set in? Yeah, it can take a little time, and usually you'll start out at a lower dose, like 10 milligrams, and then... If it's tolerated after a week or so, you might increase to 20 and um, that kind of thing. But, yeah, it can take a bit of time for it to have an effect. And how is that physically lowering your anxiety or helping your body to manage the anxiety? Well, I mean, that that's a really good question The because the serotonin-specific reuptake inhibitors are antidepressants, right? Yeah, like sertraline yeah. and uh, – Fluoxetine, which is Prozac, and there's several other Selexa that are in that group. Um, there's, I feel like we get into with a lot of the psych meds with the mental health issues. Um, it's like there's this drug soup, <laughs> like um, in the mind, all these yeah, chemicals, my- all these things that are going on. It's it's just what we know is so complex and complicated. When you read this stuff, it's amazing. 
But I always feel like we don't we don't know a lot <laughs> uh, because and, and uh, I worked in psych for a half a dozen years. It's a cocktail, was, right? It is. <laughs> I mean, and you're changing the levels of these drugs so that a serotonin-specific reuptake inhibitor, something for depression, and there's you know a link. There's this association between anxiety and depression, being a one being a component of the other. So, I'm not exactly sure what elevating you know the effect of the serotonin is is how that works to alleviate anxiety, but it's effective. So it's considered a first-line treatment. Okay. Yeah, if you're if you're wanting to to take something not as a PRN, not as ads needed like a benzo or the buspirone, but something you would just take on a regular basis, it's a first line treatment. That's something you would go to. That makes sense to you? Yeah. So first line is something that might be the early stages that they try out on you. Sort that's of thing. right. That's okay. right. So they all the all the options that they have, they put them in a, like in an order, and so you get highest benefit, lowest risk, and then the next one might be. Well, we're hoping to get a benefit, but there's more risk, so it kind of goes down the line, and then you get to the bottom. It's like this might work. <laughs> Another earlier one would be maybe like sertraline. Well, or... I, the, I haven't seen. I'm sure it's been used for that. That's but the, more what I've seen. Well, it's but it's it's working the same way, so I believe it probably would. Okay. Uh, but today, because I've re- actually seen a comparison between the escitalopram, the Lexapro, and some other options. And I kind of stick with that just so that we can, but it is serotonin-specific reuptake inhibitor. Okay. Yeah. Did you have, was there anything else? Because I'm going to move on to um, what what other, do you want to talk about the escitalopram and what it actually does and the yeah. side effects and that kind of sure. thing? Because there are, like, when you look these things up, when you go to a drug and it's like, what are my possible side effects? Because the docs now, there's a thing, this shared decision-making where, you know, get in there, be be a participant in your own care, and you look it up, and there's like a hundred possible side effects, and that's kind of true with that. Wow. <laughs> um, there's a, a <laughs> drapery of paper streaming down from this standing desk. <laughs> <laughs> side effects. With side effects. <laughs> so they'll list them according to side effects that would require medical intervention, and then there's more common ones that you might see dissipate or be be able to manage. Um, and then there's also within those two categories, frequency, how often they might occur. So um, you have to, I don't, no one's going to get in there and memorize these things, but you should be aware of what's possibly can happen commonly and some of the more severe. The first of the, of the more severe are uh, decreased interest in sexual intercourse, de- decreased ability to have an orgasm. Uh, can't keep an erection, loss in sexual ability. Dang. I mean, I uh, know. Now, are you going to be less or more anxious with with these kind of side effects? I don't know. Um, that's a personal <laughs> that's question. Very personal. Um, but the, the the point here is that when you're taking these drugs, they have all these other effects. And again, it's like this this soup, and, and it's like we're just trying to affect because, like, the one option. The buspirone can actually decrease the action and the amount of serotonin. How is that effective for anxiety when we've got a serotonin-specific reuptake inhibitor that's no, I don't presumably increasing? That. I don't, I don't. So it's anyway, it's this very delicate balance. And actually, the the buspirone, uh, in addition to diminishing some of the serotonergic stuff that we talk about, this activity. Um, there's this mood modulator, it increases dopaminergic and noradrenergic 
uh, firing, which is, uh, you know, dopamine and like norepi kind of things happening. Um, so really what this whole thing kind of suggests is that this notion that only one neurotransmitter is responsible for producing anxiety, it doesn't work that way. And that's one of the things that we have to, I don't know. That's why I, I just think people need to get in there and then when, if it's time for a med and you're comfortable and you've talked with your healthcare team, then you go in with confidence and also with this attitude of, I'm really going to just keep an eye on things and have the positive expectation. And when things happen, stay in contact with your healthcare people and use your pharmacist and like manage it. Maybe it's just wrong time of the day you're taking it or a little too much or a little too little. So that's really a big part of what I think needs to happen. Just trying stuff. Yeah, just. <laughs> <laughs> you said, that's yeah. All, that's all we're doing. Just, <laughs> well, it is, but it's a, it's a hopefully an educated yes. You know, try yeah. stuff. Just trying stuff. <laughs> that's what today's episode about. It's just trying some stuff out there. Uh, <laughs> um, might so work. It, yeah, so it might. So anyway, these are the. Um, there can be this myriad of effects, but if you've talked to your doc, and a lot of these are very uncommon, so you just have to know that. Should I and pick then, three off there at random? You can. Chills, painful or difficult urination. <laughs> sweating. <laughs> okay. Chills, sweating, and painful <laughs> urination. Okay, well, those are... Um, Sorry to laugh those are the, <laughs> But those are under, listed under the, the ones that will require you calling a physician and making sure you follow up. Ooh, ooh, yeah, those ooh. are the more severe. And again, the list is long, so no expectation here or by your doctor or anyone that you're going to be able to know every single one. But the point is to... We talk about it often, like drug journaling. When you start something, then... Hopefully, when you're seeing a positive effect, and if there's anything else that's going on, to kind of record it so you can see cause and effect, and then report that and see if you know what you can do to manage it. So that's really okay. what that's all about. Um, let's see what I wanted to do at this point. Did you have any more questions about that? Uh, that no. Yeah. Um, so what I think is interesting is there was a study uh, late 2022 um, comparing. Lexapro, the escitalopram, and uh, meditation, and what they referred to it as um, mindfulness-based uh, stress reduction. Who did the study? So the study was supported by the uh, Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute, which they're an independent research uh, firm that is, here's their, their statement, is to seek to empower patients and others with actionable information about their health and healthcare uh, choices. So that sounds like a good thing to me. It was um, the article was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association uh, Psychiatry in um, November 2022. But this uh, meditation as an option has been around for a long time, and they're just starting to see if there's some evidence that will really support it as being recommended as another option. For people who might be interested. So that's, again, back to the tool thing. That's what I think. Just find the tool that's right for you and see if it works. Okay. Uh, so, um, and meditation, the, the, the I think a kind of positive thing about it is it doesn't require a therapist. You don't have to get into the, the medical system. This is like, it's yoga. 
Um, there's all kinds of meditation groups that are out there. Um, I'm not going to advertise anybody, anything here, but um, I meditate. And I started with a group, guided meditation. And um, What group did you use? Oh, I was in Cincinnati at the time. and uh, Like in person? Yeah. Okay. You know, there was about 15 people in a class. Um, and I just derived a lot of really positive stuff from it. So I um, personally have benefited. But again, I'm not uh, – I don't want to – push this as something you, you must do or or any of that kind of stuff, but rather here is something else that in addition to or instead of, you might consider this. And it's um, it's just it's just not for everyone. What um, kind of stats did they have on the study? Well, there was a 30% reduction in the symptoms that they were recording. And this is all very to the book. There's this Scientific. Yeah, they have all these criteria for measuring for measuring the uh, symptoms and that kind of thing. So there was a thirty percent reduction in the symptoms of the of the participants in the study. Can you figure? Would that be for the drug, the Lexapro, or for the meditation? I'm gonna guess meditation. It's for both. Oh, same, equal. same. Right. Wow. I know. That's what. That's kind of was my reaction too. I'm like, I didn't expect that. No, uh, I thought the meditation would be a lower percentage, honestly. I, I did too. And as far as side effects, when, when they were following this up, they had 78% of the people on the escitalopram, the Lexapro, had an, a side effect, an adverse reaction. Um, and it was like sleep disturbances, nausea, fatigue, headache. That 78% had something. So that's over three quarters. That's significant. But still, those are manageable. Not, um, and, and then um, 15% of the people on meditation had side effects. What might, what might one be, you think? Drowsiness. Very good. That was the second most common. The first was, and this is kind of, this is what we're trying to treat. Woozy-headedness. No, anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're talking about anxiety, girl. Um, Wait, you said that was a side effect? It is. That's what I know. It's it's uh, okay, kind weird. of a paradox, isn't it? I yes. know it's weird, and that, and they they viewed it the same way because you you didn't consider it as an option because that, that makes no sense. Kind of makes sense when you think about. Let's go up into our own heads and see if we can think about nothing. And it, if you can't, that might be a little bit anxiety inducing. That is it. Okay. Yeah, and what they do is they have all these different kinds of um, meditation, and it's mostly mindfulness, which is you know breath awareness and body awareness and um so it's it's this quieting the mind and the point here is to get this this really to it's like a discipline to get more focus and clarity about things um so anyway that's what they use and you're right i think when you're not quite ready for these thoughts and you sort of are very kind to yourself when the thoughts come and you can't like go away no it's not like that is let them come and I think it can be a little upsetting. But then, the, like you said, fatigue. If you don't have the control or something like that, yeah. it can be kind of stressful. I think so. I think that's it. Um, so the study does have some shortcomings, though. It's like the mean age was 33, which is relatively young. Uh, 59% were white. 15% um, black, 20% Asian. Most of the participants were women. So you can see this needs to be uh, studied in a different demographic group, a, a different, but that um, 
I don't think that invalidates the findings uh, of this. So okay. um, does that make sense to you? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting, just as a side note, like I started looking into this and there are so many, so many other uh, medical conditions where uh, meditation might benefit a person. Um, ADHD, and this is not like it's going to cure it, but help to deal with it. Um, I had a listener who went to the doc, was having what he thought was psoriasis occurring on on his hand, and the doctor confirmed that. And he asked, "Well, what?" Uh, the, the doctor told him, "This is due in large part to stress. This is a you know can precipitate this." Oh. So the listener asked, well, who do you recommend? And the doctor was flummoxed. He's like, what do you, you Yourself. Know, yeah, I can write your prescription. <laughs> and the, what he was looking for, the listener wanted to know, who can I go to to help me with stress reduction? And the, the, the great ending of this story is that he did that and um, the, the skin resolved. It, it healed. So He did. Uh, Stress reduction through meditation oh, and that okay. kind of thing. Yeah. So you can't, you know, that's one one story. But it does, to me, the important part there is that it highlights that docs aren't really considering this as an option in the treatment of the patient. And right. it doesn't mean, again, it doesn't have to replace drugs. It can be in addition to. So anyway, Thanks. I thought that was interesting. Um, let's see. Is there anything else you got going? I'm trying to... In a way, the meditation prescription is a harder pill to swallow than Alexapro because you're going to have to sit there and spend time with yourself and mm-hmm. no, it, it sounds hard. It, it, it is. It is challenging. You're so good and right on about that, Olivia, that um, you, in this study, it was uh, a 2.5 hour session each week, an entire day um, on the weekend, and then 45 minute sessions on your own uh, hmm. throughout the week. Okay. So it's not to me. That's pretty intense. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of time. So that it does, um, it takes time and commitment. Are you up for this? Right. You know, and um, like the cognitive behavior therapy. That's one of the things where you actually have a therapist, and then you start talking about things that specifically that might trigger you, whether it's flying or heights or you know. Uh, Groups, crowded places, things. Okay. That that's a whole other thing, and you you sort of have to be up for that too. Um, so this is um, just a I, I don't know. It's a nice dip- to have it. Nice to share an alternative uh, that's not actually a med- medication. Yeah, yeah. So this anyway. This is not quite going to that point where you're you know you're being challenged this way. That but you find ways to deal with these thoughts potentially. Not that you're sponsoring, but did you have a certain book or guide that helped you in your particular meditation journey? Well, I've used a lot of uh, the Buddhist uh, recommendations for what how they get to um, this calm abiding that they hope to find, which is where you have an intense clarity and un- unwavering stability about your mind. And then when you focus on something – you maintain that, and then you can really um, – then there's wisdom training and other other things. But you can – when you've 
gotten to that point that mindfulness is efficient you're really there uh you will probably be a lot more efficient and aware in the other things that you do and when these things potentially come up it may help you you just become familiar with your own self being alive is messy Oof. (laughs) you think you know yourself and then something happens like oh i didn't (laughs) why am i thinking this (laughs) what happened Creepy oh. up there. In my head. <laughs> <laughs> That's for, it. Really is true. I don't know how long you have to be alive where you're not learning something about yourself. I think that it's for the duration, which is kind of nice. Yeah. On the other hand, it's it can be unsettling. So uh, <laughs> the the and and aside from that, the Mayo Clinic has a website that I think is good for people who are just trying to find out about medications and options to medications. And again, they've, they've got some nice information about um, meditation and what, what it might be able to do for you. Nice. Yeah. I did think a, a nice side to this, this is like a self-improvement thing. So in meditation, there's this implicit teaching, you know, that you are non-judgmental about your thoughts. And it helped to teach people to be more self-compassionate and so, as a side, they found that some of these people were having helped with their personal relationships and they were being kinder to themselves. So, I think you have to be kind to yourself because before you can be Must kind be nice. to somebody else. <laughs> You're not Can't kind wait to yourself. To be, you want to be friendlier uh, to you? Yeah. Livia. Can't wait to meet myself after meditating a lot. <laughs> I'm glad you feel You might want to try it then. Um so I think we've um, we've kind of covered this. Like uh, I, one of the things here before we just drop this all together is why not both? True. Yeah. You know, um, and this is all when you know in working with your healthcare team and finding out what this involves, what the medication involves. I don't. I don't want. Like I said, I don't want to scare people off with medication, but just to know. What what might happen? What you might get out of it, and right. where you're at? Do you need something? Then then work with your doc and get get moving on it, and make that decision Maybe about risk benefit. If any- somebody had lessened anxiety through medication, they could take the time to meditate. Right, more so. Right, it might facilitate that. Is this a process? And again, it's just we we talk about this a lot, but every person is different. You just have to take care of your own. Um, choose the tool that's right for you. Nice. It might be just the citalopram, 20 milligrams a day. Um, then just monitor it. Just be you know a, an active participant. That's all good. And it might be that you decide, I'm going to try this meditation first, or it might be a combo. So um, work with your health care team and follow up. That's there what I we think. go. Yeah. You got anything else for me? Mm, no. Yeah. I, I feel like... I've learned something. Maybe I'll try drugs or try meditation. Not really sure yet. Okay. Well, I'll share some of the um, information I have about meditation and that kind of thing. I am. Uh, I I like that. It's something I can do. I do it. You know, pretty much every morning. You know, I'm not required to go to a class. I can if I want, but uh, it just feels like a really good thing for me. My mind gets gets buzzing sometimes. So. Good for you. <laughs> uh, before we go, I do want to like sort of have a meditation disclaimer about what I do because I did get some initial training and 
Um, I've just sort of ventured off my own. Um, so, so any references to Buddhist things, I don't, I don't want to uh, offend anybody who truly is disciplined in that. And so, again, uh, this is something for each of us to do in his own, his or own, her own way. So just wanted to throw that in there. Okay. Well, I appreciate you being here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah. And I appreciate you all for listening. This has been and will be Druggist for the People. <laughs>